Okay, hello everybody and welcome back to the Penn State College Democast. I know it's been a while since our last episode and you may have noticed that this is not the voice of Tom Sauerbach, but that is because the Democast is under some new management. We're excited to bring you more podcast content throughout the course of this year. And without further ado, I would like to, I would like us to introduce ourselves as the new host. My name is Christopher Letary, and I am the secretary for the College Democrats for the 2020-2021 school year. And I will be your new host for the College Democrat. Uh, I have two other hosts here with me who will be appearing on the majority of the podcasts that we get done over the course of the year if they want to introduce themselves. Emma, you can go first. Hi. Um, hi, I'm Emma. I am the Chief of Staff of the College Democrats for the 2020-21 school year. Um, not a normal school year, but a school year nonetheless. Um, yeah, I'm excited to be one of the hosts. And I'm Gabby. I'm the Communications Chair this year for College Dems and first uh, podcast that I've ever been on, so it's definitely going to be a learning experience, but I'm excited. Yeah, uh, on that note as well, because of the current situation with COVID um, and because it is the summer, we are recording this podcast on Zoom, which means it may not quite have the audio quality. Uh, it might be a little bit more scuffed than you're used to, but we're going to do our best to still bring you the best content regardless. So for this podcast, it's simply going to be an introductory podcast for the plans for the rest of the year. We'll be going over how we plan on running this podcast this year. And then with our remaining time, we're planning to talk about Penn State's return plan for the fall in the midst of the whole COVID crisis. But before then, just so we can get to go, just so we can get to know our hosts a little bit better, I'm going to ask both Emma and Gabby a few questions. Uh, either of you can respond to this first. I'm just going to leave the question out there. Uh, why did both of you join the College Democrats? Um, I can take that one first. Um, I joined the College Democrats because I knew I wanted to be politically active. I was always um, wanting to be politically active in high school, but I came from an area that was intensely red um, in the middle of Pennsylvania. I mean, typical uh, deep middle red PA, kind of very conservative, not my vibe by any means. <laughs> um, so I never really had the opportunity to because there's really um, no point in some of those races um, anyway, because um, the prospects of winning um, are not there. Um, so I knew I wanted to be politically active. I knew I wanted to make a stand for what I believed in and really um, embrace the fact that I'm a Democrat. Um, so I actually found the College Democrats on Instagram before I came to campus last year. Um, and I followed them and I was like, Ugh, I want to be like them. They're so cool. Like <laughs> they do all these fun things. And then so I came to campus, I went to my first meeting I actually met a friend in one of my poli-sci classes, and I was like, oh, do you want to, like, go to college dance with me? And she's like, yeah, she's one of my best friends now. I'm shout out to Stella. Um, but yeah, like, I just, I knew I wanted to be a part of it. I knew I wanted to be politically active, um, and college dance was of that and even more for me. That's so great. Should I go uh, now? <laughs> yeah, you can go now, Gabby. Um, yeah, so my story is not that different. Um, I was politically... I don't know if I'd say active, more outspoken in high school. Um, we just, we didn't have a lot of clubs or anything, and I was never motivated to get involved in, like, local stuff, as I should have been. Um, 
and let's see, I don't, I actually have no clue why I didn't join freshman year. Um, looking back, I'm a bit surprised. I don't, I don't know. But sophomore year, um, my fall semester roommate, Liv, actually, she's uh, now a social chair for the club. She encouraged me to come out to the first meeting of the fall. And after that, I was hooked. All right. Uh, and now I think this will be the last question for both of you, and then I'll answer this question myself. But uh, what topics are you most looking forward to talking about on the podcast this year, considering you two will probably be in this podcast more often than most? Um, I'm really excited for the possibility of having a woman's podcast. We're going to talk about that probably a little bit later. Um, but talking about some women's issues and some women's issues on campus and the political world. Um, I'm really passionate about um, all things feminism and women empowerment. Um, so I'm really excited to really dig into those topics and also like current topics in general. Um, we all in college Dems get very heated about what's going on in the world and really care. <laughs> so um, it's really cool to hear everyone's point of views on what's happening and also kind of um, looking at our world and analyzing what's all going on from a college student's point of view. Yeah, I'd agree. I'm really looking forward to the women's podcast in particular. Um, sure. Yeah, as Emma said, we'll get into that later. Um, in terms of other topics, I would definitely say the election, you know, big year coming up. And mm -hmm. the last time we had an election, I wasn't as involved as I am now. Um, I think I've learned a lot since then, just being in this club. And I'm excited to see like what topics come up and like, I don't know, just to learn more about the election process and like stuff that goes on. Um, and then also healthcare. I virtually know like nothing about healthcare. Um, it's not great. So if we could get somebody onto the podcast, uh, help me out a little bit, that'd be wonderful. Great. Thank you both for sharing. Uh, so now I'll try to answer both of those questions myself as best as I can. So for the first one, why I joined the College Democrats. Uh, so honestly, before the 2016 election, my political activity was basically zero. Um, it just kind of never really occurred to me to get involved. It was one of those things where, you know, we were living with a Democratic president. And to me, as far as I was concerned, that was enough at that point. Um, and then Donald Trump got elected. And I was angry and I was sad and I was confused. But most of all, I was really angry. Um, so then when I got to college, I was just walking through the club fair and I saw the College Democrats and I was like, wow, this is a really good way to make the kind of change that I want to see. So I got involved and I definitely don't regret it. Uh, it's been a great way to meet like-minded people, uh, hold some very serious but respectful discussions amongst very informed people. Um, it's just a great organization and I'm really glad I joined it. And then as for the topics, I'm most excited about to discuss on this podcast. Uh, that's a tough one. I am very much so looking forward to talking about issues in our own state college and Penn State community, since I know that's where most of our viewers come from. And I think there's a lot to discuss about problems and solutions on campus and think that can be changed for the better. So I'm looking for, forward to talking about more local issues. But on that note, I'd like to go ahead and get started on talking about the way we will handle the podcast this year. So at the moment, the tentative plan is that we are hoping to bring you a podcast at least once a month 
maybe a little bit more often, perhaps every three weeks or so, um, depending on involvement and depending on how COVID uh, affects us once we get back to campus, which is something we'll be talking about more later. But yeah, so at the moment, approximately once every month and uh, intermingled among all those podcasts, we're going to have exclusive women's podcasts every now and then. Um, I personally will not be involved or on these, but if Gabby or Emma would like to talk about them and some of their plans for it. Yeah, um, Gabby and I can definitely take this one. Um, the women's pod, and just be like clear in general, this is the women and non-binary. Um, we're welcoming of all genders and sexualities in the College Democrats. Um, but yeah, so we had a plan to maybe do a women's pod um, in the spring semester, but it never happened, kind of fell through. Obviously, the spring semester was very chaotic and it was cut short. Um, so we never got to see it happen. Um, why the idea came to be um, was kind of a bunch of us girls and Dems um, were angry about some things and we just kind of want to air our things out. Like we just want to talk about it um, and make sure that um, female voices are heard, especially in the political world, because um, sometimes we can get washed out or pushed to the side. Um, so yeah, we just have a lot to say and there are a lot of important things we want people to hear um, and create a cool dialogue about it. Um, so the women's pod will hopefully be around once a month or when we can, and it'll just be um, some gals and Dems and the surrounding organizations getting together and talking about uh, a given topic that is impacting us. Yeah, I think that was well said. Um, there's definitely like a need for this podcast right now. Like, I know it's a great way to vent about the, as Emma said, the current stuff that's going on in terms of like current restrictions underway for reproductive rights. And um, I think it would be a good space to talk about how women of color and black women are like disproportionately impacted by certain issues. And I, I think a podcast and just people venting is a great way to explore those issues. Yeah, so uh, that's just one of the things you'll be able to look forward to this year from our podcast. Uh, some of the other things I would like to bring up that you can look forward to from this podcast is that hopefully throughout the course of the year, we will be able to bring in people, not just from the College Democrats, but from other organizations around campus, as Emma already kind of hinted at, who are more informed about the issues we're talking about or have more experience with the issues we're talking about so they can uh, provide their very valuable voices to uh, the discussion, um, as well as maybe even bringing in a few like local politicians, uh, local political workers, perhaps even a, even a professor or two who uh, may have expertise in a particular subject. But yeah, so you can look forward to a variety of different topics being covered this year with a very wide variety of uh, members and non-members speaking on these issues. Also, we are hoping to this year, currently our main uh, platform for the podcast is on the Apple Podcasts app. Uh, we will also likely be branching out to putting them on Spotify as well. So look out to that if that's your chosen source of podcasts. Um, but outside of that, uh, Gabby and Emma, you can add anything if you'd like, but I think that just about covers the introduction for the podcast this year. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you've covered everything. Yeah, no, really well put, Chris. I mean, like, our the highest, why we want to bring out outside people is we don't want to speak on issues that don't necessarily pertain to us, right? So, like, we don't want a bunch of men sitting in a room talking about women's issues. We don't want a bunch of um, Caucasian white kids sitting in a room talking about um, exclusively, like, struggles of uh, people of color communities. So, like, we want to make sure we're including voices that need to be heard and represented. Yeah, very well put. Mm-hmm. Um, so now with that, kind of concluding the introduction for the rest of this podcast, uh, we were just planning on talking about, uh, the way COVID-19 will be affecting our return to Penn State, uh, Penn State's plans to handle it, some of the issues we see, some of the solutions that may or may not be implemented, and how other schools around the country may be handling this. So if anybody has anything to say about that, you can go ahead. If not, I'll get us started. I mean, it's just like a lot to take in. Um, so, I mean, when we first got all the information and correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a while since I like read the official email and everything, um, it was gonna be, you know, all on campus except for certain class sizes. Um, and I don't know, like that was that. But then you hear that professors weren't exactly um, I don't know, counseled on like what the decisions were going to be. And they're like quite upset and rightfully so that they weren't really considered um, on how like everything was going to go. And so now looking at my schedule, I have all my classes online and one got canceled. So I might get a on-campus class. Um, We'll see. And I don't know, it's like frustrating, but you also know it's kind of the right thing to do with cases rising and such so I just this whole period has been like you take it day by day and I don't know I guess that's as best as I can word it right now yeah I definitely agree I mean to call Penn State's plan a plan is kind of a uh, compliment (laughs) to the situation um I think their plan going forward right now is that there is no plan um like yeah they said we're on campus and then all my classes but one are online Apparently, they have till the 15th to change that, um, I guess, and that's when they're going to finalize it, because mm-hmm. um, I guess a lot of places, um, a lot of professors are looking for bigger class room spaces um, than this, that don't really exist, right? So, like, <laughs> there's not that many big-size classrooms for all of us to fit in. I mean, there's obviously, like, big ones like Thomas and all those, but those are going to be for bigger classes, so I don't know. It's kind of crazy um especially like the on how like the on-campus housing situation that's literally up in the air like no one knows what's going on with that like they're telling people to figure out if they're going to be on campus or not and let us know if you want to like get rid of your contract and they're not even telling kids like what that's going to look like like what is on housing like living going to look like so how are you supposed to make these decisions when they don't have a plan like they're at like it's just kind of crazy and yeah I don't think I think the main point is that Penn State is putting profit and like what people want over the actual student's health and professor's health, clearly. I mean, um, I bet a lot of our professors are immunocompromised or have like health problems. Not to say that all our professors are um, in that bracket, but um, you know what I mean? Like we're all not college age kids and yes, college age kids are the ones that are recovering, but kids are still dying like you can't deny that like 
yes, we're recovering at better rates than other age groups, but that doesn't mean that those few that do end up dying aren't important and aren't relevant. Um, and like, the yes, we might recover, but the process will suck. Like our hospitals will be overfilled. Like it's just going to be, I think, a mess. And yeah, just looking at where Penn State's priorities lie, I don't think points to anything good. Yeah. Uh, so I think something that's kind of interesting to me that happened is, so if you both remember, Penn State released their like original plan for handling uh, returning in the fall on June 15th last mm -hmm. month. And that was before any of the more recent major spikes, such as those in like Florida, Texas, North Carolina, uh, some areas of California. So it's, it's, I, I don't think their plan was particularly responsible back then either. But with a lot of the huge spikes we're seeing, I think, especially now, unless things drastically change in the next like month and a half, it's going to be pretty irresponsible if we all return to campus with the current, uh, you know, as Emma said, it's hard to call it a plan, mm -hmm. but um, with their current uh, plan, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also, I think something I wanted to bring up, which I remember uh, when I saw the article on this, I was shocked and like a little bit confused. But uh, I imagine you've both seen the article by now where they're laying off approximately like, I think it was 89 uh, workers at the Nittany Lion Inn so that they can use yeah. it to quarantine students. Mm -hmm. That's like pretty uh, insane. Like, I, I don't know. Um, the fact that they're, they need to fire people to quarantine kids maybe means that they shouldn't be bringing all those kids back in the first place. Yeah. Um, not totally sure on that one, but I just thought that in particular was like, one of the biggest kind of red flags where it was like, oh, so they know things are going to be dangerous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was kind of thinking about that um, recently and what came to mind is like, I have a friend that goes to Maryland and I remember when the mold outbreak happened, they had like bought a hotel nearby for students to like transfer to, um, like their living situation essentially until like the mold was cleared up and I, I have not lived in State College very long, so I don't know exactly um, the hotel situation, but I feel like maybe we could have, like, looked elsewhere instead of laying off, like, a bunch of people and just, like, investing into this, I don't know, like, a hotel or some sort of situation for students so a bunch of workers wouldn't have to be laid off. Yeah, I mean, like, even with, like, them saying that we need the lion in to host students just proves that Mount Nittany, our local hospital in State College, isn't good enough and isn't able to hold that many kids or that many beds if there is an outbreak. So, like, that's just a red flag in general. Like, even if they're quarantining there, like, our hospital isn't prepared for this. Our hospital is can't handle that. You think our hospital can handle both alcohol-related emergency room visits and coronavirus? Like... I don't think so. Right. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. Like, even on top of the coronavirus issues, yeah. there's going to be all the normal, uh, you know, like, college town issues with, like, Which, several like, cases of alcohol poisoning every weekend night. It's going to be, uh, yeah. And that, like, brings up that other survey that was, like, quite concerning about, like, the amount of people that were, like, willing to go out and risk getting sick to go to bars. 
I don't know if you guys won, and I don't even remember what the percentage was, but it was not comforting, to say the least. I did see that, and I remember being made very uncomfortable by it, because I was pretty shocked at um, the kind of lackadaisical attitude a lot of people are taking towards this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember a lot of people saying they'd be willing to go to bars and willing to go to house parties. And I think that kind of brings it back to like one of the biggest issues, which is that it's going to spread like wildfire once we get back there. Yeah. Like between dorm life, which in some situations is several dozen kids sharing a single bathroom. And then between like the party culture of state college, obviously, uh, I don't see any situation in which like the majority of the student body doesn't end up having it. Even if they're not showing symptoms, they will still be able to pass it on to some of the professors, as we mentioned earlier. But also it's important to keep in mind that not all the students are like these healthy 20 year old uh, Mm -hmm. kids kind of, you know, we have like adult students, uh, we have like veteran students, it, the student population is not just these kids who will be like okay at the end of the day, probably if they get it, you know. Yeah. And uh, I mean, then go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say like with the party culture, I think the issue is it's just going to be so tempting with us all there, like with everyone separate. At least it's kind of like oh, like some people are having parties at their houses and like having smaller get-togethers with friends but when we're all going to be together in one area even off-campus housing living like the temp the temptation is going to be so strong I mean even for like me who's very 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 cautious about it and I intensely care about it like I know I'm gonna have, have to have hard conversations with my friends and say like we can't do that like we can't have a party we can't go out and because everyone is going to want to like we miss that about school I think a lot of people do but Mm -hmm. being there is just going to drive the temptation so much more than if we were all home and separated no I think that's right I mean you're right the temptation is just gonna skyrocket yeah with everybody being released from uh well not being released but having their sort of like quarantine they've been under uh for the last several months Mm-hmm. Uh, finally being over in a sense once we go back or at least they'll no longer be living with their parents so they'll no longer have to live in fear of uh, infecting their parents I think a lot of people are going to see that opportunity to go out and have fun with their friends for the first time in months and say it's worth the risk and for a lot of people it will be gatherings of just people without COVID like it will be fine but there's always that situation where as long as one of the people there has it, uh, you know, an entire party could get infected. Yeah. It just takes one, especially in a small area like that. And like, you know, everyone's reaching for the same stuff, playing the same games. Like it's just inevitable. Yeah. And even like we have every year, we talk about the Penn state plague, like, there's always one each semester where everyone just gets sick and like you'll be in any given classroom and kids are coughing and like sneezing and like you I haven't I don't think I've ever really sat through like a big lecture and you know what I mean like I always try to listen for <laughs> the coughs <laughs> during the season because also like we have to factor in the fact factor in the fact that was not a very good sentence Emma, but um <laughs> how 
we are incentivized Mm -hmm. to go to class even if we are sick Mm -hmm. like students are penalized for not missing class you only have so many days that you can miss or you start losing points and especially in like I've been in a few participation heavy classes like language courses where participation is part of your grade like are is Penn State going to change that to where you participation isn't factored in it can't be factored in because kids will push it like I've been like kind of sniffly sick but I'm like I can't miss another day of class so I have to go but we can't do that in the era of COVID like you can't risk that um so how are how are our curriculum and how are gonna grade structure gonna change to reflect that and maybe that'll be a change that'll be for good I mean um we care so much about if you're like productivity and if you're there and putting your productivity over your health um especially in america um it's a major issue that we need to look at as a whole and i think covid is really bringing that up yeah um i know in his initial statement and i don't know what has changed since then if anything but on june 15th uh president Barron's original statement was it had something along the lines of uh, They'll be having teachers uh, relax their standards for students who are sick uh, in cases of like attendance and participation and stuff like that. But uh, what that entails exactly definitely isn't clear yet and it hasn't been specified. So like, do you need a note from the hospital or whatever saying, yes, I got tested and have COVID before you can get out of uh, the point deductions and grade deductions? Uh, you know, if you just have a cough or something, if you're just feeling fatigued then you think, oh, no, this might be COVID, uh, like, and you don't go to class, will that be okay? I think a lot of it is going to come down to individual professors. Right. And I think all we can really do is hope, and in some cases, if we have to pressure these individual professors into kind of uh, loosening up on their guidelines, because the learning environment is going to be very different than it has been uh, in the last two years I've been here and probably in decades in general, honestly. Um, yeah, so a lot of it is going to come down to individual professors and their decisions. Yeah, and I feel like that's dangerous because, like, with that saying, like, you know, certain or teachers are all going to have to, you know, relax their standards, but, like, certain teachers are much more relaxed than others. So, like, they should be putting out like a mandated kind of thing all across classrooms if it's like um applicable to that learning style of the classroom but i don't know like you have some professors who you know don't take attendance attendance sorry and then others who are like you can't even have your phone out in class or like you're not even allowed to take notes on a laptop and it's like what what is a relaxed standard for that professor versus the other yeah, I think that draws on the fact that, like, Penn State not having an exact plan mm-hmm. is leading to all these questions and will lead to all these problems. Like, i rather have a strict plan that I can be mad about certain things for, right, than <laughs> have no plan and not know what I need to be, what I need to fight for, what I need to, like, you know, like, we just don't know anything. And a lot of faculty and staff really don't know anything either. I had a meeting with someone who worked in student activities and they were like, we don't know about the hub yet. Like, we just have no idea. Like, we have absolutely no idea what's going to go on there, what the plan is. Um, so, like, they don't have answers to any of, like, our questions regarding space, what we can do, like, restrictions. Um, because it's so ever-changing. And, like, 
I understand that, but at the same time, like, it's hard to make these decisions. Like, if I'm going to stay on campus, if I'm going to leave, if I'm going to, like, take a gap semester, if I'm going to stay home, like, without knowing a strict plan. And it's concerning because, like, we're close to being a month out from being at school, and there are just so many questions that we don't have answers to. I feel like I was more prepared going into my freshman year of college, like, one of the most life-changing things, than I am going into this year. And, like, that is not comforting in the slightest. No, I mean, absolutely. And I, uh, along those lines of, like, even faculty not knowing what's going on, I remember, I haven't seen anything about it in a little bit, but I assume it's still going around. Um, There was a petition circulating, at least on Twitter I saw, of, I'm pretty sure it was started by faculty or a professor or something, which was asking for President Barron to, I I think it was either to like make more uh, like well drawn out and like transparent plans or to just uh, shift learning to remote again. Mm -hmm. Because apparently like little to no faculty was actually consulted before they made this decision. Uh, Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine what it's like being a professor right now where your class on Lion Path is constantly shifting between being online and remote and being in some random room, mm-hmm. like literally every other day. Like, how do you make plans for that? How do you even prepare for the upcoming semester if you're these professors, you know? Because who knows what it's going to look like. Yeah. So I really do feel for the faculty because, I mean, what do you do in that position? On somewhat similar lines and something that has always been important to Penn State culture, I guess. Um, is football. We normally around this time, we would have already purchased season tickets or you would have already began purchasing your tickets. And currently, I believe we have basically no information on what they plan on doing. Yeah, I saw one article that said it's probably going to be season ticket holders as the only ones in the stands. So like no students. It's just going to be like alumni and stuff, which gotta say, I think that's a little ridiculous. Um, I, I love football and I'm nowhere near like wanting to risk like going in to um, the game each weekend and like getting COVID with like that many people. But I think we could definitely try to like, I don't know, divvy it up and make sure like what, like somebody gets like one ticket per um like a, like a raffle kind of thing. Like a student gets one game for like this season or something along those lines. But I don't know, you're, you're going to be an alumni for the rest of your life if you graduate here. You get like four years to be a student. So the fact that like the only information we're starting to see is that like students are being rolled out is a little frustrating. Yeah, I think definitely like, I think that brings it back to like the priorities, like Penn State's administration's priorities is I think right now in the money and looking at um, how can we monetarily keep everything sound and make sure we're getting our $400,000 paycheck every year. Um, Like the alumni and the season ticket holders are what's a major monetary way that football goes on. And they, besides like having season tickets, they're donating so much money to the university every year. Um, So I think they're looking at, well, one student's going to get us a $250 ticket or we can get, a couple thousand dollars from this season ticket holder if we let them go to the game. So I think it's just looking at priorities and like 
yeah like Abby said like we have four years to be a student like you can't like and we also are the ones living there so the other problem with that is alumni are coming in from other places fans are coming in from other places like isn't that more of a risk than letting the kids who live in the area who are already essentially in the bubble together social distance at a game versus having people drive and travel from all across the state and the country yeah that's uh, that's actually an excellent point i didn't even think about that at all yeah, i was just about to say that's uh, yeah, you're bringing in like a new a new wave of people from all around the country every well every other weekend usually. Um, yeah, and I mean you know the what campus. they say about alumni? They're just they're everywhere. Yes, yeah, so I mean you could be bringing in people from all sorts of hotspots around the country of COVID. So if anything, I think, and obviously as Emma kind of brought up, a lot of this comes down to the profit. And you want to keep your alumni and your donors who at the end of the day are the ones who are funding like your new construction projects on campus or like, you know, your bonuses or whatever. Um, You want to keep them happy. But at the same time, you have to keep your students safe and bring in uh, like tens of thousands. I don't know if it's that many, maybe um, of people into state college every other weekend probably mm-hmm. isn't the best way to go about that. It's it's probably going to be somewhere close to that number because I like I recently read um that the Ravens are letting in like no more than like 14,000 into their stadium and they usually max out at like 75,000 and we're always like top in records at like 100,000 so it it could very easily be that many people and I just I feel like if you're not going to let students in, like, just don't let anybody in. Like, I, I feel like students should be the priority in that aspect. Like, as Emma said, like, we live here, like, you know, we're not constantly going to other places. It's going to be safe, safest if you let, like, I don't know, like a few hundred students in per game than, like, 10,000 alumni. I mean, to be totally honest with you, at least from my perspective, for the last two years, I've always gotten season tickets. Mm-hmm. Um I don't plan on getting any tickets this year, even if it is happening. Yeah. And as much as that disappoints me, because as much as I absolutely love Penn State football, um, I think the stadium and maybe even more so the tailgating going on outside the stadium with everybody like kind of squished into like a small field. uh, Those are just going to be like just breeding grounds for the virus. It's going to be a mess. Yeah, I didn't even consider that because, like, even if some people aren't going into the stadium, like, those who are are probably tailgating with a bunch of people um, regardless. And, like, even though other people aren't going in, like, they're bringing whatever, you know, they've interacted with in. So, yeah, I mean, like, long story short, like, it's just safe not to have it in general. But I don't know. I feel like it it just irks me that alumni are going to be given that privilege instead of students but yeah regardless it's just it's safer not to go yeah we should put those undercover cops to use and enforce social distancing instead of um ruining kids football saturdays (laughs) (laughs) i agree so paranoid i can't (laughs) the first time somebody told me about that at a tailgate i was like wow that's that's not no one's safe yeah, we don't condone yeah. underage drinking by any means at the <laughs> at Penn State College Dem, but 
people have undercover cops at football games. Yeah. And um, so I guess kind of moving the conversation to a different place a little bit because I feel like we kind of covered most of the football topic. Uh, feel free to speak up if you know because I don't. But I haven't heard much from Penn State yet about their testing plans, like testing kids for COVID, uh, how often they'll be doing it, where it will be available, how much will be available. Um, you know, like those types of things. I don't think they've released any information on that yet. Do either of you know? I have no clue. That's actually a really good point. Um, I mean, I'm assuming there's going to be testing at, um, what's it called? UHS, IHS, something like that? Yeah, UHS. Uh, UHS. Um, I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be testing there. But yeah, I have, I have no clue. I haven't seen a single thing. Yeah, I think it's like, again, the plan is there is no plan. And I think it's probably up in the air because like we can't, they can't get no, like they don't know how many tests we can get. Like they just, right. That is such like, a president can lie about it all he wants, but you can't not like, there's not as many tests as we need. I um, mean, to be fair, he had a point. We will see less cases if we do less tests. He, yeah, I mean, oh. that's a, <laughs> that's true. So maybe Barron will, uh take a Go step in that same. direction <laughs> there's been um, no cases at penn state because we tested no <laughs> and it is it's also very troubling in particular because of the way coronavirus works which is that you're not i th i remember seeing very recently a study done in europe where there's only like about a six percent chance after you get it that you develop antibodies to it <laughs> so like getting tested for it once isn't going to be enough because if you have it, then you get over it. There's a very good chance you just get it again in like a week or two. Right. So it's one of those, it's just going to keep coming back and hitting some people over and over. And yeah, like another big issue with that is how, I, I mean, I hate calling everybody kids because they're in like, most people are in like their early 20s. <laughs> but like, how are all these kids supposed to focus on their studies and focus on their other obligations and, like, organizations and clubs while a lot of them are going to be suffering from fatigue, uh, trouble breathing, like, all these other issues? Like, how am I, well, not I, mean, I, but how are people in general, you know, supposed to focus on their studies and stuff when they're struggling from illness? Yeah, no, I think that's a good point because, like, I saw a post um, recently on Twitter and this woman was like really frank. She was like, I got diagnosed with COVID like, I don't know, three months ago. And she's still dealing with like healthcare issues from that. And it's not like COVID directly, but it's like influence from that. I don't know. Like I'm not aware of like medical terminology in the slightest, but like <laughs> she said it developed as a result of her getting COVID and like having it for a prolonged period of time. And she's like in a support group. And this is apparently like really often, it's just like really common amongst like other people. We're just not seeing it as much and like, um, you know, on TV and like in the media, which is like really concerning. Cause like, I don't know, being out for two weeks is already, you know, that's, that's a lot of work to catch up on. Um, but like three months of that stuff, that's that's wild. That's, that's a whole semester. I mean, like, what do you do? Yeah, in college, life in general doesn't condone being healthy. I mean, like, 
Chris said, like, what are kids going to do when they're fatigued and short at, like, out of breath? Well, like, most kids are already out of breath because of their nicotine addictions, or they're, like, fatigued <laughs> because of being hungover from the weekend, and, like, just not getting enough sleep, and, like, yeah. college, the health level of people in college isn't great, like, <laughs> in general, like, um, I love the IM building, I hope I can use it in some capacity, <laughs> but, like, college isn't usually the healthiest environment I mean you talk about like freshman 15 like your eating habits are out of whack especially incoming freshmen who have who really like have this whole door of food kind of open to them Mm -hmm. um so like food habits are off your sleep habits are off like which perpetuates you to get sick easier and like like I said like the substances make it like alcohol lowers your immune system like it's gonna all the college environment itself is just going to make it so much worse. Yeah, I didn't even think until you brought up the nicotine addiction because, like, you know, COVID's thing with the lungs, like, that's that's not going to be a good combination. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. No, I, that's, <laughs> I, I'm with Gabby. I didn't even think about all that. Like, the, the way college works for, I guess I'm pretty confident in saying most people, is that it doesn't encourage a healthy lifestyle, like especially mm-hmm. the lack of sleep. Yeah. Uh, like if, if you have a healthy sleep schedule in college, I, I have to believe you're in the minority. Uh, <laughs> that and like, so, how are you doing it? Like what are, what are your tips? Yeah, exactly. And so between that and your immune system obviously isn't running at its best when you're um, fatigued and tired from lack of sleep. Um, the, the lifestyle of the college environment, yeah, it's going to make things significantly harder for a lot of these kids. And it all ends up piling on top of each other because if you're like, if you have a lack of sleep, so you're tired, uh, your immune system is lowered, you end up getting COVID. Then you're fatigued from COVID, so you can't do your schoolwork, so then you need to stay up later to do more schoolwork, so then you're more fatigued. You know, it's like a vicious cycle. It's just, I don't know, it's going to be a... (laughs) Yeah, same. Um, I just, I just think about like, I I can't imagine it's going to be very long until there's an outbreak in a dorm and it just, it just spreads like wildfire. Like, cause everyone's in close quarters. Um, I, I doubt a kid's going to be like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. Like, let me put on a mask. Like, you know, it's like, I don't know, a 10 foot walk or like doing laundry, going to get food, like. I just not looking forward to how everything plays out. Yeah, the dorm life and how that uh, all works out is certainly going to end up being interesting. Mm-hmm. I know. Um, I don't know if you're. I don't know if you're still looking into this, uh, Gabby. But I know some other people who, who like were thinking of living on campus, but now with all this going on, they don't want to take the risk of living in dorms. Oh, yeah. Because that's going to be, like, the greatest hotspots on campus. So they're looking for, like, off-campus apartments and stuff like that. Yeah, that was the thing. Like, a few friends and I were like, we don't want to be back in the dorms. So we spent, like, a good two weeks looking for places that, like, we were all going to be comfortable in, was, like, in our price range. And, like, it's it's not a lot of places, like, one. And we started (laughs) the search, like, I want to say – probably two weeks before they told us like, Hey, you're actually going to be able to get out of your contracts without a um, financial fee 
or penalty, um, you know, with dropping your contract. And so like, I think we had made the decision a couple days afterwards, like we were fortunate enough to like start that search before they said anything. And I'm sure it was just a mad rush afterwards. So we settled on a place that's like five minutes from campus called the park. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad we did so. Cause like one, if we do end up going like fully remote and nobody's allowed back at state college, like I'm, I'm going to have a place cause I'm fortunate enough to be in a position like that. Cause I, I cannot concentrate in my room at home. And like, that that's the only space I've got. I don't have like another room I can go to. It's just my bedroom. And like, that's one, like you're not supposed to work in the same place you rest. That's, I learned that it's like 100 <laughs> and that's, that's just not something I can do. But yeah, so I, I don't know how that went for most people that, you know, just got the housing announcement and then had to find a place to stay. They either paid a crap ton of money um, in terms of like monthly fee or they're still on campus. Cause like th those are the only two options. It seems like. Yeah, I was thankful enough to know I wanted to live off campus um, early. Like, I got my housing in October um, just because I really was ready to have an apartment and have my own kitchen and cook my own food. Um, I have a food aversion, so I, like, it's difficult eating at a, the dining hall. So I was, like, ready to go off campus, and I'm so happy for it. Even though I will be with five people, like, it'll still be better than a dorm environment like I can clean my own bathroom and have my own space and like cook my food in my own area and clean up after myself versus in a dorm life um kids don't necessarily clean up after themselves yeah. so yeah yeah because all those communal spaces in the dorms like I don't know um Chris you and I were in the same building last year I don't know how many people you'd say were even like on the floors but <laughs> like what yeah. five it's got to be five bathrooms divided amongst like what, like thirty people. Yeah, and that's that's if you're lucky. My dorm freshman yeah. year, uh, it was for about like twenty five guys. We had uh two showers, so Jeez. you know it's like it really it depends. Like you're one of the lucky ones if you have uh, five bathrooms on your floor. Yeah, uh, and I know they said they were gonna sanitize yeah. them like twice a day, but like you think about all the interactions, like that's not enough. And it's, and you also can't expect housing to do more than that because like, you know, that's, that's quite a lot of work. Um, cause I'm, I'm sure there's like only a handful of people that clean one dorm, um, dorms worth full of bathrooms like each day. And you know, that's gotta suck. They're constantly coming into an environment where they could be, catching COVID and I don't know that's a lot to handle yeah so I do think we're approaching uh the hour-ish mark of the podcast so I know time kind of feels like it flew um yeah. but if anybody has any you know if we want to try to start wrapping this up if anybody has any more sort of final statements or things they'd want to bring up or talk about I think now's the time yeah I mean I would just say like I am excited to go back and to see people in very very small gatherings of like no more than four but it's it's just worrisome that there's 
so many concerns that haven't been answered and we're this close to starting. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't know. I feel like somebody's going to listen to this podcast and just feel like extremely stressed out and stuff, but <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to go back and like, you know, excited to learn again, but it's, it's just one of those things you can't avoid, you know, being stressed about. Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. Like, I'm so excited to see um, some of my friends who I haven't gotten to see um, throughout the, like, entire quarantine time because we live far away from each other and obviously don't want to risk traveling. Um, but, yeah, like, even if I get to see people in small quantities, like, I miss all my Penn State people so much. And I think really one of the greatest things about college is, like, the friends you make and the people you meet. So being able to just see even a couple of them at a time in social distancing format, um, with my life that much better yeah agreed yeah it's um it's a little bit scary it's a little bit it's more than a little bit it's very unknown but um yeah I'm absolutely excited to be back Uh, I'm excited to get back on campus to do whatever amount of work we can as college dems in the current environment um yeah uh, obviously, if you're a Penn State student, uh, hopefully we'll be getting more information soon. So definitely keep up to date with that. Uh, the three of us don't know absolutely everything that's going on in terms of the campus's plans, obviously. So uh, do your own research if anything we've said has interested you. Uh, other than that, I think that's all we've really got for t- today. Um, Once again, this is Chris. I'll be your new host, and I very much so look forward to bringing you more podcasts throughout the course of this year. Uh, Please look forward to maybe one more happening before the school year starts, depending on how this one uh, ends up working out. But uh, thank you for watching if you've made it this far. Uh, uh, And goodbye. Yeah, thanks. See ya. (laughs) all right bye everybody stay safe and stay healthy see you next time